0: Well, good morning, everybody. Thank you for thank you for joining us here at Stetson Baptist. My name is Brad. I'm the pastoral intern. Always love to give a warm welcome to see all of your beautiful, smiling faces every <laughs> single Sunday, and just to say, "Hey, good morning." Uh, I want to talk about our announcements. If you could please check in for us. We ask this every week. The info is on the screen right behind me. We love to know that you're here. We love to stay connected. Also, if you're a first-time visitor, we love to know that you visited with us. So if you could, just please take out your phones, uh, text that info to the church's number. Just check in for us. It takes like 30 seconds. We would love that. I have two announcements for us today. The first is that Pizza with the Pastors is today, after the third service which is right around noon or so, and it's over in the student center. Uh, If you are interested in becoming a member of the church, or if you are just curious what it means to even be a member at Stetson Baptist, please come join us for this. It's it's free pizza, and it's a lot of fun, and the pizza is actually really, really good. I I promise. I've had a lot of bad pizza, but this is delicious. Um, So please, if you're interested whatsoever in what it means to be a member here, please come to that today. Our last announcement is that we have a Point of Grace concert, December 7th. This is a ticketed event. We are very excited to be hosting it here. If you want to to come be a part of that concert and get tickets, just text CONCERT to the church's number. You can also go to stetson.church backslash fall, and you can get the tickets through Eventbrite. All right. That's it for our announcements today. If you could please turn your attention to the screen as we get to celebrate a baptism.
1: Uh, Jeremy is a part of our custodial staff here at the church. Um, About three months ago, he started attending the church through an invitation of a friend. I just want to point out an invitation of a friend. It is amazing what happens when you invite your friends to come uh, to church uh jeremy actually made a clear profession of faith back in 2018 at a sister church in our area um day spring baptist church uh down the down the road and pastor tom white led him to the lord in 2018 but jeremy never took that step of of his profession of faith in baptism and so he came to me and said, you know, I really need to take care of that. I've been baptized before, but never by immersion and never as a believer in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And so today we're doing that. And I'm so excited about what Jeremy is doing, about what God is doing in Jeremy's life. So, Jeremy. You Jeremy, simple question. Have you asked Jesus to come into your life and to come into your heart and to be your Lord and Savior? Yes. Yes. Jeremy, it's by your profession of faith in Christ. Thank you. And then I baptize you, my brother, in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Buried with Christ in baptism. Raised to walk in the brand of everyone.
2: Well, amen. The Bible says, I was glad when they said unto me, Let us go into the house of the Lord. And if you are glad to see God moving in our church, say amen. Amen. We've got a great reason to sing today and to celebrate. Would you stand with us as we sing of our great God today? faithfulness today. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for being a trusting, faithful God that we can rely on in every circumstance and everything we face in life. Lord, we love you today and we praise your name. We lift up the name of Jesus in this place today and we proclaim your goodness and in his name we pray. Amen. Would you please be seated?
1: you this morning. So glad that you are here. So glad that we had the privilege of being able to uh, to worship together. And uh, it's already been a great day. Um, we're going to be looking at the book of Esther again. Uh, if you have your Bibles, it's in Esther chapter 2. If you don't have your Bible, there's one right in front of you. It's on page 410 of that Bible. We'd love for you to uh, follow along with us. Uh, I, I, I've, I've made, I've shared this with you before, but I went to college at Mississippi State University, and uh, I was very involved in the BSU at MSU. Um, so the Baptist uh, Student Union, very involved there, and uh, one of the things that happened when I got involved, uh, first off, is I found that there was this kind of singing group ensemble uh, that we had an opportunity to, uh, I had an opportunity to be a part of, and so they were called, the, we were called the fishermen. I actually sang with them for four years, and we would practice on Tuesdays and Thursdays we would practice uh, gospel music and we would then on the weekends we would go into uh, churches in the area and uh, we would share and we would sing and we would share our testimonies and it was it was really great I loved it I love being able I, I grew up in Mississippi but I learned that there were other places in Mississippi that I had never been to I actually sang at First Baptist Church Hot Coffee Mississippi That is a real place, Um, and uh, so I enjoyed being able to do that. One of the songs that we would sing is a song that went something like this. God is working, he's still working, God is working even now, though we often don't know just how. God is working, he's still working, God is working even now. Great song, really wonderful. I remember seeing that, and it was not only a great song, but it really is a, is a truth of our life. That God is working, even though we don't know just how, we believe and trust that God is working in our life. And I realize that there may be some people here today that you may be saying, well, I, I, I hear that, that's a neat thing to say. I don't, know if I've, I don't know if I've experienced it. I don't know if I've actually, uh, actually felt that. I, I can say it, but I don't know if I've actually experienced it. And, and the beautiful thing about God's word is that he speaks to us in ways that are very real to our lives. And the section of Esther that we're going to look at today is one of those. Now, let me just kind of give you a little bit of a precursor to today's message. I need you to listen to this very carefully today is a really tough message to preach. This is a PG sermon, okay? I'm saying that so that all of you that might be the P in PG will get what I'm saying in just a minute because I'm going to share with you a PG sermon in a G way. Are you with me? So there are a few things that you're going to figure out as we walk through this, and you're going to say, oh, there it was, that was the PG part, and everybody else is just going to be okay, because we have different ages in the room, and I want to be sure that we're all on the same page. Are y'all good with me on that? Good. So what we're going to look at today is a story from the Bible that is really talking about how God can take a terrible situation and still do his work. Here's what I know and you know. We all go through tough times, every single person in the room. We all go through situations where we're like, I don't know why I'm dealing with this. I don't know what is going on. I don't know why my life has turned this way. I don't know why I'm dealing with this. It's really, really hard. God, where are you? Are are you in the midst of this? Did you make this happen? What is going on in the midst of the struggle of my life. So let me just kind of jump in and and we're going to see the scripture. Last week we talked about the fact that uh, King Ahasuerus, the king of Persia, has gotten rid of his queen and it picks it up right there in chapter 2. Look what it says. It says, after these things, when the anger of King Ahasuerus had abated, he remembered Vashti and what she had done and what had been decreed against her. Then the king's young men who attended him said, Let beautiful young virgins be sought out for the king. And let the king appoint officers in all the provinces. Remember there are 127 provinces of the empire of Persia. And let the king appoint officers in all the provinces of his kingdom to gather all the beautiful young virgins uh, to the harem in Susa. That's the PG part. The citadel under custody of Haggai, the king's eunuch, Who was in charge of the women. Let their cosmetics be given them and let the young woman who pleases the king be queen instead of Vashti. This pleased the king. I'm sure it did. And he did so. Quickly. It starts off with after these things. When we see that, we would think that it is just following right after chapter 2. And it is, but there's some time that has passed. What happens in between chapter 1 of Esther and chapter 2 of Esther is four years. We can see that from the timeline as it continues to progress. And what has happened in those four years is the king of Persia, if you were to look at history, the king of Persia has decided, hey, there's this country up there that I'm not yet king over. The country is Greece, and I'm going to go attack Greece. So, uh, King Ahasuerus, King Xerxes, as we know him in uh, in history, King Ahasuerus gets all of his armies and all of his men, and they go and they attack Greece. Well, if you know anything about history, he loses he is defeated the army of persia is defeated by greece and so he comes home with his tail tucked between his legs he is upset he has been defeated he is upset he has lost his and probably lost a lot of the people in his army and he is uh, he has lost a little bit of power lost a little pomp lost a little circumstance and so basically he walks back into his uh, palace expecting a welcome you know somebody there to say oh you're such a good king you're so strong you're so mighty And all he hears is silence. And so he realizes, wait a minute, I got rid of my queen. I I need a queen again. So he tells a bunch of men, By the way, you're going to see this a number of times through the book of Esther where King Ahasuerus goes to a bunch of, I'm I'm like, does he have any ladies in his life that he can can depend on, that he can listen to? Because I'm going to tell you, I'm not saying this is always true, but it is a lot of the time true. Men can come up with some really bad ideas, and I'm one of them. Uh, we, can, we can really mess things up. So these men give this advice. i tell you what, you need a queen. Let's get all of your people that are in charge of all of your 127 provinces to gather all of the young virgins and bring them all to Susa. And we will pick a queen from them. And the king says, that sounds like a great idea. And that's exactly what happens. We pick, it, we pick it up there in verse 5. It says, now there was a Jew in Susa, the citadel. This is an interesting turn because it's the first time that the Jewish people have been mentioned in the book of Esther. It is not known, um, it is not known uh, up until this point. The original readers would have been like, hey, why are we reading this? This has nothing to do with us. Oh, wait a minute. There it does. Now, there was a Jew in Susa, the citadel. It's interesting also because we talked about this last week. The Persian king, as he took over Babylon, you see, the Jewish people were taken into captivity by Babylon. Then the Persians defeated Babylon, so they inherited the Jews. The leader of the Persian empire then said, hey, all of you Jews that are in Persia, you're welcome to go home. You're welcome to go back and rebuild your temple, go back and rebuild your city, go back and rebuild your lives. And so what we have is anybody that was left in Persia, they chose to remain in a foreign land even though the king had said, you're welcome to go back home. That's where Mordecai and Esther come in. And there was a Jew in Susa, the citadel, whose name was Mordecai, the son of Jair, son of Shimei, son of Kish, a Benjaminite, who had been carried away from Jerusalem among the captives, carried away with Jeconiah, king of Judah, whom Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, had carried away. So Mordecai is here. He was bringing up Hadassah. That is Esther. That's a a, a Babylonian and an, a Jewish name. He was bringing up Hadassah. That is Esther, the daughter of his uncle, so his cousin, for she had neither father nor mother we don't know what happened to her mom and dad we just know that they're no longer here maybe they were killed in the attack on uh on Israel maybe they were killed uh, maybe they died by natural causes in the captivity we don't know but but they're no longer in the picture so he has basically adopted his cousin into his family the young woman Esther had a beautiful figure and was lovely to look at and when her father and her mother died Mordecai took her as his own daughter So when the king's order and his edict were proclaimed, and when many young women were gathered in Susa, the citadel, in custody of Haggai, Esther also was taken. That's an interesting terminology. Esther was taken into the king's palace and put in custody of Haggai, who had charge of the women. And the young woman pleased him and won his favor, the servant of the king. And he quickly provided her with with her cosmetics and her portion of food and with seven chosen young women, servants for Esther from the king's palace and advanced her and her young women to the best place in the harem. By the way, that word is only used five times in English scripture and they're all in Esther chapter 2. You're not going to see it anywhere else. It's an interesting word. It's one of the words that I think uh, helps me to believe that the Bible is true because I'm just going to tell you, if I'm writing a book that I want people to believe in, I'm not writing this story. I'm not putting this story in there because it, it, it let me just tell you, it gets worse. What we have here is, is Esther being taken into the king's palace. The, the word there is, that's used is that she is taken. We don't know if she is taken against her will. She might have gone willfully, but it is not for her good. And I, I, for, for years, For years, and I, I, you know, I've been a part of the church for a long time, and I remember going to Bible, I remember going to vacation Bible school, and the story of Esther being one of the stories that we studied. Now I'm looking back saying, what kind of sadistic mind came up with that idea? I remember saying that Esther was chosen as the queen because she was the most beautiful in all the land. Friend, that is not what happened here. She was not. She was not, I mean, she might have been the most beautiful, but that was not what brought her to the king. No, instead, over the course of a period of time, each one of these many women, we don't know how many there were, each one of these many women would go in and they would spend one night with the king where they would play cards all night long. And they would just enjoy playing cards. And whoever won the card game, that was, anyway, you got me. And so the, uh, so the idea was that each of these women would go in and, they would, and they, would, uh, they would spend one night with the king. And after that, the king would decide, which one do I want? And they would no longer be in front of the king unless the king called them by name to return. Friends, this was not a beauty pageant. This was an awful situation this was terrible. I would not write this. I would not put this in the Bible. But it's there, which again helps me to believe that it must be true because I wouldn't write it if I wanted to try to convince people. Oh, let's go along with this God. Let's go along with this teaching. That's not what you do. But what we find is that in verse 16, if we skip down, we find that When Esther was taken to King Ahasuerus in his royal palace in the 10th month, which is the 10th month of Tibet, in the 7th year of his reign, there's that timeline. The king loved Esther more than all the women. And she won grace and favor in his sight more than all the virgins so that he set the royal crown on her head and made her queen instead of Vashti. Then the king gave a great feast for all his officials and servants. It was Esther's feast. It was in honor of her. He also granted a remission of taxes to the provinces and gave gifts with royal generosity." Because of the detail with which the writer has written up to this point, we can deduce from the way that he writes this that while each of the young women were allowed to go into the king for one night and then they were placed back and then he would call them back, it doesn't say that for Esther. As a matter of fact, it says that as she was presented, he loved her more than he had loved anyone. He never sent her out of his presence. He simply said, you are the one, you are the queen. We now have queen, Esther. Again, this is a really interesting story. It's a terrible situation. And it gives us a picture of how God can actually work in the midst of awful circumstances in our lives. It, it, it gives me... It gives, me, it gives me pause, and, and honestly, if I could just skip over this section and just go right on with the rest of the book of Esther, I probably would. But we have to look at Scripture, and we have to kind of deal with it, and we have to say, okay, what can we, what can we learn from it? Well, I think there's a couple of things that we can learn in the midst of, 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 of what's taught here. Number one, we can learn that God really is in control. That while some people may think that they've got it all under their hands, God says, no, 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 I'm the one that's in control. I'm the one that is working. I am the one that is in the midst of this situation. You may think that it's you, King Ahasuerus, council of men, uh, you know, leaders of provinces. You may think that it's all about you, but really it's all about me i 'm the one that 's in control of this and and even in the difficult circumstances, even in the things that we would never write for anyone God is in God is in control and the reason I know that. And I, uh, again i 've shared this with you. The book of Esther is a really great story, and we need to see it in its entirety. I encourage you to take it home this afternoon and, and to read it it 's ten chapters it won 't take you very long to read the entire uh, book but but so you 'll ha- kind of have this frame of reference, but I need to give you a little bit of a flash forward right now and tell you that what 's going to happen is that Esther is, go- is, is has become the queen, and because of she, uh, because of her being the queen, she is literally going to be the instrument that God is going going to use to save his entire people. Uh, The king is ready to wipe the Jewish nation off the map and he uses, God uses Queen Esther in her position of influence and power and authority. God uses Queen Esther to actually save his people. That brings me to kind of the second thing that we can learn from this and that is that God can use even the worst of situations to accomplish his plan. God can use the worst of situations to do the work that he wants to do. We can trust that God is moving even when our lives feel like they are in a disastrous circumstance, in a a terrible situation. And I know, I mean, cause I, I look, I look out across this room and I see some faces and I see, and I know some names and, 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 and some of you we have talked before and, and I, and I, I, I see some situations and I, and I see some stories of, of people that I know are going through really hard times, really troubling circumstances. And if we were to set up a microphone today and, and, and just, you know, say, hey, if you'd like to share your story, there would be some people in this room that could share stories, I promise you, because I've heard them, they would share some stories that you'd say, oh, man, that's as bad as it's going to get. There's nobody that has a story worse than that. And then the next person would step up to the mic and you'd say, well, that must be as bad as it's going to get. Because I'm telling you, we deal with hard things. We walk through difficult circumstances. We have tough situations. It's called life. Everybody deals with it. There's not a person in the room that is immune. But I'm so glad to know that because we can look at the story of Esther and because we can flash forward and see that God is going to, that God is actually orchestrating parts of this, that God is using... I do not think that God caused all of these young women to be mistreated, but I do think that God can use the circumstances of even man's wrong decisions to accomplish his greater plan. And that's what he's going to do here. And it just brings me to, to, to an understanding for us today because we've walked through tough situations and tough times. Some of you have struggled with a diagnosis. Some of you have dealt with a a family breaking up. Some of you have, have lost jobs, lost income. For some of you, you've got a wayward child that you may not even know where they are now. Some of you at your job, you're just like, man, somebody got promoted and I don't know if I can stay. I don't know if I can deal with it. Some of you might be homeless or you're struggling to make ends meet at your house. Some of you have even worse circumstances than that. I just want to say that God can use what seems like disaster To accomplish his plan so if i can if i can just kind of give you a a summary statement that will maybe have you thinking about it as you walk out of here just something that will that will maybe stick with you and you can uh you can take and apply to your life this would be it when you think all is lost and when you think it's over just look up look up you never know what he might be doing you never know how he might be involved. When you think it's over, look up. I was reminded as I was thinking about that of a, another story over in the book of Acts. I'm, I'm just going to tell it to you and I'm read a couple of uh, quick verses. But to me, it just illustrates this truth. Because there's so many times that we think it's, I mean, this is it. Okay, it's all over. I can't make it another step. I just want to go home. I want to close my door, and I don't want to see anybody for the rest of my life. I'm just done. When you think it's over, look up. See, when we look around, we see the circumstances of our life, and we see the situations that are going on, and we see all the difficult things that are happening. But when we look up, we see God. And we realize that he may be working in the midst of our circumstances, even though they're bad. He may actually be accomplishing something, even though it looks like he's out of control. He may be doing something, even though it feels like he's so far away. When it all feels like it's over, look up. I'm reminded of this story in the book of Acts, where Paul and Silas had gone into Philippi, and they began to minister in the name of Jesus, and they were telling people the story of Jesus, and there were many that were coming to actually believe in their message, and it was awesome. It was powerful to see what God was doing and how how they were believing. Well. There were a lot of people that were really happy about that because they were believing in Jesus. But there, was a group, there were a group of people that were not happy about that. Because by people believing in Jesus, they were taking away these other people's livelihood. They were basically, um, they were basically using people's non-belief to make money. And they were trying to help people to to have something, but they were were gaining by that. And so when Paul and Silas began to preach the message of Jesus, and people began to believe it hurt some other people, so they went to the magistrate and they basically said, these people are causing a disturbance in the city. What are you going to do about it? So Paul and Silas were arrested and accused tried and convicted of causing a disturbance and specifically of causing a a disturbance to by preaching and teaching of a belief in God this was this doesn't seem like as big of a deal to us but they were put in prison and the Bible says that they were not just put in prison the Bible says that they were put in the inner cell of the prison. That's the, that's the spot in the prison. Many, many prisons were probably uh, developed in the form of uh, some type of circular pattern. And on the inside, there was one cell that was reserved for the worst of prisoners. And the reason it was reserved was because there was no outer wall. There was no window. There was no airflow. There was no evaporation. Everything that happened in those other outer cells flowed, you with me? Flowed to the inner cell. You got me? This was not a happy place to be. It stunk. It was dark. It was dank. It was nasty. And they put Paul and Silas for their teaching in the inner cell of the prison because they wanted to be sure that they felt their punishment. From there, the Bible says this, about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God and the prisoners we're listening to them. <laughs> Why would you sing? I'd be like, God, get me out of here. I might be crying. I might be weeping. I might be like, I might, I, I might actually be, come on! Do something better. This is not how it's supposed to be. But they were praying and see, see, they got it. When it seems like it's over, look up. I, I wish I knew what they sang. Don't you? I wish I, I, wish I could have been there to hear them. I mean, like, not right, not like, like, right there. But I wish I could have been there to hear them sing. What do you think they sang? Maybe they sang all my life. You have been faithful Mm. all my life. You have been so, so good. With every breath that I am able, I will sing of the goodness of God. (laughs) Maybe they say, God is working. He's still working. God is working even now. Though we often don't know just how God is working. Please, he's still working. God is working even now. About midnight, in the darkest moment, in the quietest, in the stillest, they were singing. And suddenly there was a great earthquake. So the foundations of the prison were shaken and immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's bonds were unfastened. God is working. He's still working. Check that out. God is working. Hey, did y'all see it? You see, Sometimes we don't know what God's doing. We look at our situation and our circumstances and the things that are surrounding our life and and we think, oh, it's over. Just when you think it's over, don't look around. Don't look inside. Look up. Because you never know what God might be doing you see this is a crazy story too they're singing at midnight and then the there's an earthquake but you see if we're going to believe this the terrible story in the book of esther we get to believe this the great story in the book of acts Because our circumstances don't determine what God's doing. The situations that we're dealing with don't determine how God is working. The the way that things look doesn't have to be the end. What if? What if we responded to the tough situations of our life and we're going to have them with faith? believing, God, you must be doing something here. I don't know what it is and I can't figure it out, but God, you must be doing something because it feels like it's over. So God, I'm just gonna look up and I'm asking you to work because you just never know. When you think it's over, just look up. Let's pray together. God, I know that that's a really nice thing to say, but sometimes it's hard for us to truly believe. And so I, I just want to ask you, God, to, to work in the midst of our life. And, and God, would you help us to have faith even when it feels like things are disastrous? You give us some things that we can hold on to that would help carry us through those tough times. Maybe the phone call of a friend. Maybe a sermon. Maybe a song. Maybe just somebody coming and putting their arm around us and saying, I'm with you. God, would you just help us in those darkest times of our life? to know that you're with us. Give us that comfort and that peace. If you will, just continue to keep your heads bowed and your eyes closed. I I just want to give you an opportunity to respond today. I'm not going to come to you. I'm not going to to ask you to tell me the details of of your story, but I know that in this room, there's some people that are really hurting. And I I don't know the details. Some of you I might, but some of you are, some of you when I say, when you feel like it's over, you're like, yep, there, I'm there. And you're struggling and you're hurting. I I just, I would just love to pray for you. Very simply, I'd love to lift your name and your, your, your willingness up to God and ask him to just continue to work in your life. So if you're going through one of those times, if you're going through one of those situations where you feel like it just feels like it's over, I just don't know how to make it another step, I'm hurting, I'm looking around and I just don't see any hope, I feel like I'm in a really dark place. If that's you, would you just lift your hand up in the air? I just want to pray for you. I'm not going to come to you. Amen. Anyone else? just going through a hard time right now and I just need God to show me that he's working it's awesome yeah anybody else anybody else I'm going through a hard time I just need God to show me that he's working and I need his help through this tough time in my life yeah anybody else I just want to pray for you. Father, I I thank you so much for the willingness that we have of of people to raise their hand and say, yeah, I'm going through a hard time. I'm struggling. I'm hurting. And God, I just pray that in the midst of of that difficulty, in the midst of that struggle, that you would speak. God, I pray that you would give them specifically something to hold on to, something to lift their eyes and their minds and their hearts to focus on you. God, we desire, we desire for for you to be number one in our lives. So God, I just pray that you would accomplish your purpose. That you would do your work. God, let our lives be about you. Let our minds and our hearts be, be focused on you. And God, help us to be reminded that when Everything seems lost. When it feels like we can't take one more step, God, help our eyes and our minds and our heads to be lifted to you, to know that you've worked before and you'll do it again. Father, we trust you. We ask that you would give us that comfort in our lives. In Jesus' name. Hey, if you would like to talk, our pastors are going to be down here at the end of our time together. We'd love to talk with you, to pray with you. Don't want to, don't want to force you to do that, but certainly would be willing to listen and maybe to help you, give you just a piece of godly advice or just pray for you. I'm so glad that you are here today. We're going to sing a song that really does. That song we started the service with, it it just proclaims some things about what God says about us, about his word, that we can trust that his word is a lamp unto our feet, that it guides our paths, and that he makes declarations about us because who he is, we can believe what he says. So let's stand together as we close our time together. Let's sing this.
2: Your word is a lamp unto my Well I know, cause I've seen it in my life It's a narrow road that leads to life But I want to be on it It's a narrow road, but the tide is high Cause you parted the way